Five Jars New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the fucking Friday Vibe Bear Podcast. That's right. <laughs> we need to start a betting pool when the first F-bomb gets dropped on a Friday episode. I feel like we get into the swearing earlier. I got it. Just, just all we of need us. special yeah. Friday music. Someone just, someone just turned it off. They're like, oh, that's it. <laughs> my, if at this point my ears defends your damaged. delicate sensibilities, I don't know what to tell you. Delicate I know, seriously. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, it is, man, you know, St. St. Pat's has passed. You know, yeah. lots of JMO has been consumed probably this mm-hmm. week. Although I feel like this is a weekend where a lot of people still celebrate St. Patrick's yes. Day. You yes. know what I mean? It's like that's what happens whenever one of these big holidays is in the middle of the week. Is that Thursday? Yeah. People take advantage of the weekend before and the weekend after. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bet there's going to be a lot of like St. Patrick's Day stuff still this weekend, but it it has passed. But you know, before we jump into it, you know, Zach, you were you were mentioning some, something, and I was curious. Uh, I'm so no, none of us are watching any of these wine centric TV shows that are on the air right now. I did get a strong recommendation from a friend for Grand Crew. Um, okay. <laughs> which was which was I mean, you know, I'm a, a sort of aware that there's been this this sort of a few of these shows have debuted recently. I had not checked it out, but she was very adamant that it was very good and someone who is into wine, not like a super professional, but I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll give it a look." Not that I'm like, you know, exactly. Yeah, maybe as you I all know, too. I'm not the big TV guy, but yeah, I maybe yeah. I should too. I don't know. Joanna, I, I, I've heard mixed. I've heard mixed things about all, all of these shows. Yeah, right. There's uh, Kings of Napa, Grand Crew, and what's the other one? It's slipping, escaping me right now. It's it's weird that there's three and they all debut debuted on the, in the same season, mm-hmm. which yeah. I find so interesting. Like, what was the market research that decided that all at the same time there should be three wine centric, like uh, you know, scripted fictitious shows? Right. And we're not talking about like. You know, I mean, obviously, there. You know, Carlton McCoy has his like sort of wine and travel focus shows mm-hmm. about to come out on CNN. It's, it's funny; I've seen those previews too, and they kind of like make him look like the next Bourdain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'll, I'll be curious to watch that, just because like Carlton's a nice guy. Um, but th- we're not talking about that; we're talking about like the fictitious stuff. And it's weird that there's like because wait, one's like set at a wine bar, right? One's in a wine. Yeah. One's at a vineyard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really interesting. But yeah, I Promised haven't seen land. Promised oh, land promised land. Right. Yeah, and I haven't seen any of them, so I'm I'm curious. I, I, I maybe I'll sit down. Maybe I'll download some for my, uh, you know, my 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 next travel. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and watch <laughs> them on the plane or something. And if any of you are listening, watching, please let us know. Yeah, let please us know. Let us yeah, know. exactly. I want to hear if you got yeah. Rex. Yeah, because you know I'm just really sad now that Reggie's Gemstone season two is over. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, Adam's hitting a lull in his prestige TV. He needs, I know. I need more prestige TV. I need more prestige TV. Oh, no. You've got to go to the broadcast networks, buddy. Yeah, I know. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, there is a, a, a really amazing thing happening uh, this weekend, and that is it's finally spring. Or at least <laughs> – I was like, what's happening this weekend? At least, at least on the calendar, right? It still, <laughs> yeah. still never really feels that way in New York yet, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, in a lot of the country, probably it's already felt like spring for a few weeks. So I, I have a, a – you know, for a fun Friday episode, I have a challenge to both of you. I would like to have us come up with, by the end of this episode, the quintessential, and it can be different for each of us, but the quintessential spring drink, Mm. right? So I'm not looking for this bullshit you also drink in summer, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, oh, well, okay, Aperol Spritz. So, you know, everyone drinks those in the summer too, unless you really feel like it's more appropriate in spring. And I know that's what you're going to drink later, Zach, which is why I'm making fun of you now. (laughs) But- you know, it's what is is there is there a drink we think can define the spring 
or a few drinks. Right? I really do feel like in the winter, big, bold red wines define winter along with, you know, eggnog and, you know, and hot toddies and things like that. Right? Those bourbon are barrel that, aged whisk or ex- you know, bourbon barrel aged um, mm-hmm. beers. Stouts, right. That defines winter. I really think in the summer, like crisp pilsners, obviously mm-hmm. seltzer, etc. define Fucking summer. Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would argue define summer, right? Uh-huh. Is there a quintessential spring drink? Mint julep. See, that's a good one. Mm. Why? Because it's like the, you know, it's the Kentucky Derby mm-hmm. drink, right? The official drink of the Kentucky Derby, and that happens in spring every year. Um, I, I also just think like drinks with herbs in them. Mm-hmm feel very springy to me. I know this is yes. not a spring drink. I'm pretty sure it's a summer drink, but the Pimm's Cup yes. feels very springy to me um, as well. And then also, I mean, I was just thinking like my mind immediately went to like rhubarb and other spring produce that you can only get in spring or like a very small window of time. That would be a spring drink to me. You st- you hear for a miner's lettuce infused uh, gin I don't know what. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know that that would taste like much, but uh, some some nettle tea yeah. mixed with whatever. Yeah, yeah. have a ranch well, drink. I think oh. <laughs> I think that already like we may be close on our spirit side. That I think the mint julep is one hundred percent the official spring cocktail. Good. Ah. All right. I, I conversation's over. The... Yeah, okay, I think yeah, I, I think we're done. Like Joanna, just like Mike, you know, drop the mic. Yeah, and she's like, fuck out, fuckers. But I, I mean, I, I really do because. It has all those things you're talking about. It has those really, you know, amazing. It has the sweet notes that people are looking for. Sort of, in, mm-hmm. it, it can play well in a warmer climate, but it also that mint has that freshness that we think of with spring. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. all these things that are now in bloom and coming back, etc. And I think that you know, it just is this amazing cocktail that really is only drunk. Like I really think you you could never claim that the margarita is a spring cocktail, right? Because all those Cinco de Mayo happens in spring and obviously tons of brands circle around the margarita, right? It's an all year cocktail. All year cocktail. And, yeah. And, yeah. and also mostly, you know, most massively consumed in the summer, but it is an all year cocktail. This is, it's the number one cocktail in America mm-hmm. all year long. So it's very hard to say the margarita is like a spring cocktail, but the julep, the julep is 100% a spring cocktail. Like, yeah. I don't see a else lot are of are you ordering a julep? No, I don't see a lot of juleps getting ordered even in the summer. Mm-hmm. I feel like, but you know what? I want to see a damn julep on a menu, every <laughs> fucking cocktail bar menu in the spring. Like, I want to <laughs> drink juleps, have them for me. I'm not going to make them. They're kind of annoying to make. They're very annoying to make. Have you guys tried to make them? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've made them both as a. <laughs> They're so annoying. No, I'm talking as a home bartender. As a professional, I'm I'm sure you get you got them ordered. But like as a home bartender, they're, they're annoying. Well, the, the big the right, problem is the ice. Yeah, you need the right ice for it. You to need the ice, ice, but then also like, are you making a mint julep syrup? No. Are you are you just muddling? Like, are you using a simple syrup? Are you using you know sugar? It's mm-hmm. just they're so annoying to make. And then yeah, <laughs> you need the crushed ice. You need the special glass. Mm-hmm. It's just I want to I want to order them out, and I'm challenging the bars in 
this these United States, you better have some mint juleps on the menu for me this spring because I will come in and I will order it. Wow. <laughs> and I think that the other piece of this about the julep that's really cool is like it is obviously, as Joanna mentioned, and, and probably you all know, like very closely tied to a specific spring event, the Kentucky Derby. Yep. But it definitely does not only fit in that context. Mm-hmm. And like, um, you know, I don't think that on, you know, after Derby Day, you absolutely have to put your julep cups away. You probably have to put your hats away, but mm-hmm. not your julep cups. <laughs> oh, some people and, never um, put those hats away. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Uh, And uh, I I think that um, it it is also a good point of how it's like, you know, I was thinking about this prompt earlier and I was thinking about the, the sort of differences and how we even approach certain uh, spirits or styles of cocktails in spring versus in summer. And I think that like Joanna was very much onto something when she said that spring is really about like fresh herbs in part, because in most of the country, you're not really getting fresh fruit in the spring. I mean, Mm -hmm. besides something like rhubarb, which again, you know, isn't even really a fruit, but you know, we kind of treat like fruit. So there aren't a lot of like fruit forward options, although I will say that for me, and again, this is just my personal preference, so maybe it's not universally applicable. Mm-hmm. Spring is the time of year when I enjoy fruited beers the most. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. I think like, like I know fruited sours are having their moment um, all over you know, the year place. round or yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. but I, but I really think that like um, fruit forward beers, especially like stone fruit beer, stuff like that, like almost as a like preview of the summer to come mm-hmm. are really kind of fun because to me, the, the thing about like, fruit beers is that when it's as you were saying before adam when it's like really summer i don't want i want light crisp beer Mm -hmm. i don't really want something with a lot else going on but you know on a 65 degree sunny day in in april where it's like nice out but i also know it's like gonna get cold when the sun goes Mm -hmm. down still like that's to me the right time to be drinking like a fruit forward beer like i don't know that i need it in on an 85 degree in July, but, mm-hmm. but 85 degree day in July. But I don't, I think in spring it's, it's a really nice fit again, maybe it doesn't quite conform to the parameters of never consumed any other time, but, but to me is absolutely at its pinnacle in spring. Interesting. Yeah. I think, I think also what works for that time is like, you know, like lavender or lemony type, type drinks mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Like those types of herbs and um, they're not, quite, it's not like a lemonade, right? Because that's very summery, no. but I think it's a nice transition into it. Well, this is where I yeah. think you have like probably the the clearest what I would I think of as a, as a spring wine, which is mm-hmm. Savvy B, especially Savvy B from oh, New Zealand, for sure. Because you have like fresh grass, you have all the herbs we're talking about, you have the lemon, and mm-hmm. again, like to me, once we get to summer, Savvy B is a little too aggressively aromatic. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like sure. I don't yeah. want that anymore. Like I just want I just want to crush rosé. Mm-hmm. And you know some other some other whites, but I, I'm not really in the mood for savvy B. But I think as a spring wine, it's great, and I think it it finds its way onto a lot of just quintessential like you know holiday tables in the spring as well. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, it plays sure. really nicely with mm-hmm. you know with lamb with rabbit with you know so you have because well, you know you got to eat the rabbit. Easter bunny. Uh, <laughs> but you know you you have all these different holidays where uh, depending on what your culture is, I think. Savvy B plays well. So I think it is a very, you know, easy sort of wine for the spring. And it's a more difficult wine, I think, for for the summer. But again, I know people are going to come at me because they're people that drink it all, all year long. Course, but I, I do think it finds its its best place in the spring. And this is where I also think, even though the Hayes boys are going to come at me, this is, the, this is the season for the Hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. Because the Hazy IPA is, you know – it's citrusy, it's fluffy, but still it plays really well when like you get those, as Zach, you were saying, like you get those crisp, cold, cooler days 
mm-hmm. where sort of like that full body IPA is still really welcome. But then you also get some of the warmer days. Like, again, I don't want to drink a hazy IPA that's like seven and a half percent alcohol sitting outside on the beach in the summer. Yeah. That's like not what it's, it's there much. for. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to fall asleep and get sunburned. Let's be honest. <laughs> You know, Adam may or may not be speaking from personal. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, you don't want that. But I think in the spring when you're like, you know, kind of getting back to outdoor activities, you're in the park with friends, et cetera. It's a really fun beer to have. And it's where I feel like the style is most at home. Again, I get it. People drink it all year long. Mm-hmm. You know, I find myself liking hazies throughout the year, but I do think it is a spring beer. Yeah. I can see that. I think, you know, that there's also like a whole category of German beers that fit into the sort of spring, um, you know, kind of the spring season, you know, your Marzins and your, um, uh, I think your Doppelbox, things like that, that are like, you know, kind of hit the like a little higher on the malt register. So they're Mm -hmm. not your really clean, crisp, as we've discussed, you know, lagers, pilsners, et cetera, that are really more summer beers. They are kind of you know they're not they're not the full you know kind of deep dark winter beers yeah. um and they're but they're also not they're, they're sort of in between but in between in a different way because obviously that that some of what we're saying and this is you know obviously spring is kind of the mirror image of fall in its own way and i was thinking about this like you know do i just kind of like reverse my fall drinking in spring do i start out with you know medium weight red wines and move into mm. you know into rosé and there is something to that right like we're kind of you know, yeah. moving through a spectrum. But I do think there are specific flavors that just make much more sense in, um, like I wouldn't, like a flavor that I would enjoy in fall, you know, like um, apples and pears and stuff like that would feel very out of place um, in spring. Yeah, um, I agree. Whereas I think, whereas I think like cherry and other like stone fruit stuff that you're starting to see, like, you know, starting to see cherry blossoms on trees and you're starting to see kind of like, you know, yeah, that whole emergence from winter thing that's very um, both like heartening to me personally, oh, but best. also definitely provides, um, some nice prompts. I also think the other thing, it's just an ingredient. It's not a, a specific drink, although maybe we can workshop it. I also think spring is an excellent time for honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe a bee's knees yeah, or something like that. Say, like I think I feel a like a, I feel like gin is a good spirit for for spring. Gin's a great spirit for spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you want to be super bougie, this is I feel like this is like a the very much a spring cocktail. You can you, you make a a gin martini and then instead of a lemon twist or an olive, you use a pickled ramp that you foraged yourself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you foraged yourself. You go to you're going to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan to get your ramps. There's you can get some ramps like uh, I mean you have Hudson to go to the Hudson Valley, Valley. Right? Yeah. but yeah you can oh, get a okay. lot of ramps okay. in the Hudson Valley. Uh, the first year of COVID, COVID year one, uh, mm-hmm. we we went up and stayed with some friends for one week in like early spring at their house and um we went ramp foraging and there was a ton of ramps okay how did you you explain to guests what ramps were every year was like one of the least favorite parts of spring (laughs) how did you explain (laughs) what'd you say uh, it's like it's like a wild (laughs) yeah it's like a wild onion it's like a leek i don't know you just kind of explain it depends on how much people know about you know the allium category Mm -hmm. of yeah vegetables you can only get but, it for a few weeks and everyone's obsessed with them mm-hmm. but spring, yeah spring definitely has it's an overabundance of obscure weird foraged vegetables because there's nothing especially around here and i assume it's not all that different in new york like everyone in the restaurants was so desperate for anything that was not just fucking like cruciferous vegetables yeah mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like ramps are the gourds of spring fight me <laughs> it's ram season you motherfucker. Them. Yeah, exactly <laughs> i feel like they are right like it's just yeah. everyone is everyone's like oh ramps ramps i mean they do wind up in a lot of cocktails as well mm-hmm. um 
It's also amazing how much the green market charges for them. Yeah. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, like that kind of a cocktail. I, I don't know. Like, could you use asparagus in anything? Bloody Mary? Also, asparagus is a really hard like vegetable to pair with wine. I don't agree with that. Okay. So that that, I, what that would was, you go that with? was received that was received wisdom that I that I was told when okay. I was starting out in wine. And I would say that it like like a lot of things with the vegetables, it comes down to how they are cooked okay. um more than anything else. So yeah, if you're like boy like steaming your asparagus and serving it like just plain asparagus that's just, that's been, you know, over steamed, then yeah, it's like pretty pungent and vegetal and like isn't gonna go well with frankly like anything in my opinion. Right. But if you're, you know, sauteing it, you're grilling it. Like you're getting, I mean, you know, again, I, this is a pairing, like, you know, sort of fundamental, like the cooking method will change the pairing for right. any item. Like it's not right. just vegetables, but, um, and so I, to me, like, certainly we can, you could look at wines, especially white wines that offer a degree of sort of vegetal character. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked uh, on the last episode about, you know, Northern Italian white wines, which often can convey that sense, whether it's a suave, whether it's, um, you know, something um, like a Arnais uh, from Piedmont, et cetera, mm. often carry green tones. Um, you could certainly look at Sauvignon Blanc as another example. Maybe, you know, maybe not from New Zealand, where it tends to be more kind of juicy fruit and, and sort of bold fruit character, and maybe more from the Loire Valley. But um, those are really great options. And and honestly, I think like it works really well with, um, you know, depending on what else you might be eating with a sort of green, you know, sort of vegetal red wine as well, like a Chinon mm. or a you know, Cabernet Franc from the Loire Valley, the uh, Gamay, et cetera. Like those work really well with with asparagus. I, I, I never understood the like trepidation. Again, steamed like naked asparagus, fine. But like I don't want to eat that, period, whatever the drink is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think you can also use it as a wonderful garnish for a Bloody Mary. Oh, well, that, yeah, oh. that's true. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I've never been a bloody person. But, we just got <laughs> but I actually blood. think, you know, pickled asparagus as your yeah. martini garnish. Why not? Oh, that's cool. I still, yeah, but you know, do it. Ramps really say that you're, it's spring, bitches. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It, it carries with it a, a, a whole nother level of extra. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So if we were to vote here, what are we saying? So obviously, I think we I think we very easily landed on the cocktail, which is the mint julep, is the mm-hmm. official cocktail yeah. spring. But what about the beer and the wine? I'm with you on I'm with you on Sauvignon Blanc. That sounds good to me. Yeah. It, it does make sense. And the other another ingredient that's I think very very common in in spring dishes is uh, like fresh cheeses, goat's milk or otherwise. Yeah. And again, Sauvignon Blanc goes really beautifully with that as well. So that like I think of it like a quintessential spring salad. And yeah, Sauvignon Blanc is like what I want to drink with that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then what about beer? It's hard. I, I think the fruited sour makes sense to me. And some of the like more fruited hazy IPAs also make sense. Yeah, I think that that I think something I think a beer with I think the beer with the with as you're saying, Zach, like the the stone fruits, that makes sense. Yeah, the fruit forward it does. beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it feels like because again, I think you're right. Like in the summer, that's not the beer I'm reaching for. In the summer, mm-hmm. I'm reaching for beers that are more much refreshing. more refreshing, yeah. much more refreshing. Um, because again, it, it it gets freaking hot. Yeah, like it just gets so hot, and so you're like not in the mood to drink something that's that heavy and kind of like also sugary. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Like I just really want crisp lagers, crisp pilsners, Kolsch's. Like mm-hmm. those are great beers to drink all summer long. And you know, again, I think in summer too, you're a little bit more active. Right. You're like, yep. you're, you're sitting on the beach, you're hanging out, you're, you're, you're taking a bike ride, whatever. And so you want stuff too, that's like not going to give you a massive buzz. And those mm-hmm. beers yep. are really nicely lower in alcohol. 
and some of these you know fruited beers also come in again around these the same level these hazy sour these hazy ipas and you're just like yeah i'll Mm -hmm. have one of them and then like see ya (laughs) (laughs) so yeah spring is just the time when you're just happy to be doing anything outside you don't have to be doing much exactly exactly Exactly. Mm -hmm. like i could just be sitting at a picnic table with some friends all day and i'm good exactly and i'm good i have one i have one last prompt along this line so what is the what's the best seltzer flavor for spring Ooh, Mm. grapefruit yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like grapefruit's citrus. a winter one more for me. Well, because it's citrusy, but I, I just feel like it has like a little lemon. bit of a bite. Oh, lemon's good. I think lemon. How about black good. cherry? That's also what, good. What's the season for black cherry? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Summer, I guess, is yeah. when cherries are like late, yeah. early summer, the, late spring. The only stuff I would say it doesn't work is like the pineapples. Like that. That's very tropical to me. That feels very watermelon. Beach. Feels, yeah, yeah. I would avoid watermelon. That all feels very like summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, you know, it's. Seltzer so weird. Like it's also become one of these things. It's like all year round. That yeah, I don't know. It's just it's such a weird behemoth. Maybe it's all maybe the flavor. Flavoring. Yeah, is Mountain yeah. Dew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's amazing yeah, how fast that stuff. We got to get some of that. How do we get it's, it? I don't know. It's only in three states and already three sold states. out. Yeah, I know. Boozy Mountain Dew in three states already sold out. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! I wish we had it because then we'll you know when we get it. Hey, if you're listening, Sam Adams, Boston Beer, PepsiCo. Please send us Jim some. Cook, I know you listen. Please send us some boozy Mountain Dew. We would love to try it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Come on, yeah, <laughs> I gotta try this. It's too good. But hope you both enjoy your weekends. Yes, uh, I would say we would drink something, but Zach made an Aperol spritz, and uh, it's really early in the morning. <laughs> so. I know it's my breakfast. I haven't even had coffee yet. It's impressive. <laughs> and I also feel like you made an Aperol spritz, and now we've totally decided it's not an official spring cocktail. So, well, you know, I'll just have it for myself. It's okay. <laughs> you should. Uh, and I will not be talking to you guys next Monday because I'm going to be uh, out in California doing some cool stuff for Wine 101, uh, the Wine 101 podcast. So, hope you guys have a great conversation with whoever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, And I'll see you both in a week. Yes. Talk to you then. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.